The best thing to do after a bad breakup is to go somewhere and clear your head. It could be anywhere, from down the street at a friend's house to a vacation on the other side of the world. I chose the latter. To call this a bad breakup, however, would be the understatement of a lifetime, and although being cheated on made it easier for me to move on in a lot of ways, it still hurt like a bitch to come find my girlfriend with another man. Two days later and here I am, boarding a flight to Honolulu, Hawaii, with nothing more than a weekender bag and the clothes on my back. I've got no plans, and I like it that way, although the one thing that would be really fantastic would be a wild fling with one of the locals. I'd even take a fellow vacationer at the resort that I've booked, although that hookup doesn't quite have the same sense of adventure that I'm truly yearning for. I shuffle slowly down the aisle of my plane, glancing past the column of boarding passengers as I try to spot exactly where my seat is. 34A, I repeat to myself over and over again, my boarding pass already stuffed back into my bag. I continue back farther and farther into the cabin until the crowd finally dissipates and row 34 comes into view. Carefully, I stow my bag away in the empty overhead compartment, then nod at the man sitting between my empty chair and me. Hey, I'm right in there, I tell him, pointing. The man looks up at me and I immediately freeze, taken aback by his strange appearance. He's middle-aged and appears to be a native islander, wrinkles beginning to faintly work their way across his light brown skin. He also appears to be very wealthy, at least based on the suit that he's wearing and the massive gold watch that sits latched to his wrist. The most noticeable thing about his appearance, however, is the glass eye that's been fitted perfectly into his eye socket, displaying the blue and green topography of Earth's globe. No problem, the man says with a friendly smile. He stands up to let me through, and I try to look away from his strange glass eye, but it's just too captivating not to draw my attention. Using all of my willpower, I force myself to look away and then slide in past him, settling into my seat and immediately pulling out the inflate magazine to distract myself. It's okay, the man says, sitting back down. He speaks in a strange accent that is only vaguely familiar to me. It's hard not to notice. Well, I confess, the globe is a little flashy. The man laughs. I suppose it is. I'm Kono, he says, extending his hand. I'm Andy, I tell him, shaking his hand with a smile. I suppose you're probably wondering how I lost my eye, Kono offers. Oh no, it's fine, I reply, shaking my head and returning my gaze back to the magazine in front of me. You're holding that upside down, Kono informs me. He's right. I've been so busy trying not to focus on the eye that I hadn't even realized my mistake. I'm sorry, I laugh. Tell me about your glove. He leans back into his seat, looking forward. I was born very, very poor, Kono explains. My family were farmers, so there wasn't a lot of extra money to go around. I nod. Now, some people can make do with what they've got, but I've always had big dreams, Kono continues. What kind of big dreams, I ask him. The man smiles wide. This, right here. I never thought I'd be able to buy a plane ticket and see the rest of the world. See, without any money, I was stuck out on the island, and I just had to get out there and travel. It was going to kill me if I didn't. So what did you do? I ask him, growing more and more curious by the second. Do you know what a tiki idol is? Kono asks. I shake my head. A tiki idol is a small statue that has been blessed by the powers of the island, of our gods, Kono explains. Now, some of those gods can be kind, and some of them vicious, but all of them are tricksters. I'm not sure that I follow, I tell him. A tiki idol can bless you with anything that your heart desires. Just remember that there's always a catch, Kono tells me. He reaches up and taps his fingernail against the hard surface of his glass eye. I can travel anywhere in the world, but I can only see half of it, he says, then suddenly erupts into hysterical laughter. 
I look around the plane to see if anyone else has noticed this strange man's hysterics, but the rest of the passengers seem to be in a world of their own. Eventually, his laughter dies down and he closes his eyes, finding a comfortable position and then immediately drifting off to sleep. I put in my headphones and start a song, trying my best not to let his bizarre behavior creep me out. I manage to zone out for a bit, but moments later, someone bumps into me as they sit down. Sorry about that, the woman says. I take off my headphones. I'm sorry, I think someone else is sitting there, I tell her, then immediately scan the rest of the plane for the strange man. I hadn't even noticed him get up. The woman looks concerned and pulls out a ticket, double-checking her seat number. No, this is my seat, she tells me, pointing to the ticket. I sit for a moment in silence, dumbfounded, and then eventually shrug it off. Maybe there was a mistake before, I think to myself. Happens all the time. Suddenly, the voice of our captain slices through the air by way of an overhead speaker. All right, everyone, we're now beginning our departure procedure for Flight 539 with nonstop service to Hawaii.